Jesus, as we start at the beginning of this new year, the cry of our hearts is the same as that of Paul the Apostle where he said, Oh, that I might know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings. And throughout this year, throughout every day of this year, we pray that we would know you and know you in a way that is tangible to the world around us, that they would be able to see that we have been with you and that we, we would be able to reach into their world too and bring you where they are. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a shout. Hallelujah. We're going to have a fantastic year this year. I'm telling you now because Jesus is at the center of it. You may be seated. Wonderful. Well, I don't know if you've got any New Year's resolutions set. Maybe you're going to go to the gym or do something like that. Me and Carlo Dare, we've got a New Year's resolution. We were reminiscing over the old ones that we, that we didn't fulfill. But we, we set some up yesterday, didn't we, Carl? We're going to eat more takeaways this year than we've ever eaten before. And I'm telling you now, that is a rev- resolution that me and Carl will work to the max. Amen? What do you reckon, Carl? Do you reckon we can fulfill that one? I reckon we can. Burgers, chips, egg on toast, beans, curry, all in one go. Fantastic. Brilliant. Do you know what? New Year's resolutions, they come and go. But we as a people of God want to commit ourselves to the unchanging revelation of God's Word, don't we? That is what is going to keep us in line with His heart. That's what's going to keep us on track as a church. And, um, you know, we always want to be a people that are hearing His heart and acting accordingly. I want to, at the outset of this year this morning, bring again to our attention words that Jesus began His ministry with. Words that really were at the foundation of everything he did and everything he built even after he went to heaven. I want us to turn in a moment to Luke chapter 4. And um, we've read this and we, we know these words very well. But I want to I bring our attention back to them because I really do believe that in these words that Jesus spoke in his, in his first sermon in his home church in Nazareth, Herein lies the heart of God for the community in which he lived then, but also for the communities that we live in and the city in which this church is in. Let me read it to you from Luke chapter 4, verse 16, verse, uh, through to verse 22. It says this, So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, 
to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. I tell you what, Jesus doesn't mince his words. Jesus, you know, doesn't open his sermons with a, you know, a nice funny joke or a, or a nice little illustration. He gets straight to the point, goes to the book of Isaiah, reads it, and just lets him know what he's about and what he's going to do. Not just what he's going to say, but what he's going to do. Everything that Jesus was going to do for the next three years is encapsulated in what he read in less than five minutes. I tell you something now, God doesn't mince around with words. He doesn't conjole people, doesn't try to manipulate them, doesn't try, you know, to get them on board. He talks straight, he says it as it's going to be, and then he gets to work. That's what I love about God. I love about God. Oh, I love that about God. I really do. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes... Of all who were in the synagogue, maybe I should have a chair up here or something. Sit down. The eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? Now, for the next maybe 20 minutes, we're just going just to introduce this to you. And then over the weeks to come, we're going to unpack it. Because there's so much in here. And there's so much that moves on from here. At this initial point where Jesus spoke, there are so many things that come as a result of these words that he spoke in Nazareth. But I want to I speak to you about breaking a do not disturb mentality. Breaking a do not disturb mentality. One man once said, the greatest tragedy in any generation is to find a sick church in a dying world. A sick church is not a church that has physical ailments or or weakness. A sick church, the, the sick church that he was talking about anyway, is a church that's apathetic. A church that doesn't have any eyes beyond its own boundaries. A church that is unwilling to engage with the world around it. A church that is out of touch. A church that doesn't feel the pulse of the generation in which it lives and doesn't have any concern for it, can't cry tears for it, doesn't have a heart of compassion for it. A church that is sick is a church that has a do not disturb sign written over it. God never wants us to have that sign over our lives or over our church. And I thank God, you know, when we look back at our history as a church over the 25 years or the 27 years since Pastor Ray planted the first seed to start this church going, this church has a history of activity, of God-anointed activity. This church has a history of engaging with the city, of engaging beyond its borders, of turning its eyes away from itself in order to serve the community in which it, it lives. This church, I'm telling you, does not, and I don't believe has ever had, a do not disturb sign on it. What a blessing. 
What a blessing to have, you know, the liberty and the flow and the anointing of God within our lives to do what he's called us to do. It's a tragedy when a church, when a company of people are sick with apathy, sick with despondency, sick because, you know, they're, 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 they're entrenched in religion, entrenched and under a spirit that, that doesn't want them to rise into everything that God has called them to do. And Jesus, when he came to his home church in Nazareth, this group of people had a do not disturb mentality. They really did. They did not engage with the world around them. Although there was huge needs beyond their borders. There were, there were huge needs at the end of the road. And yet they weren't engaging with the world around them. They didn't want to move beyond their own borders. And yet Jesus turned up one day and he didn't even ask to preach. It was just set up by God. It was set up by the Holy Spirit. And by chance, he was given. Of course, it wasn't chance. But by chance, they gave him the book of Isaiah. And he turned to the, to the, to the, to the part where it said, Isaiah 61, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me. And then he began to talk about all the people that weren't there. He began to talk about all of the people that they had despised. He talked about all of the people beyond their borders that their laws wouldn't allow them to reach. And all of their rules and their regulations and their judgmental attitudes and their fears wouldn't allow them to go to. And Jesus now suddenly stands up and he begins to, began to read these words from, from Isaiah. Now you see, when they heard these words that Jesus was speaking, they were just words to these people. They were just words from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah had long gone. He'd been dead for a, a few thousand years. And these, were, these were, weren't relevant words. They were just words that they would, you know, it would, it would fill part of the service. And that's all it was to these people that Jesus was speaking to. But to Jesus, it was a promise. To Jesus, this was the reality of his life. To Jesus, this was his very vision. This was his very purpose. This was his very mandate. This was his career. This was his destiny. I've got to get to these people. And he knew that the prophet Isaiah was writing about him. And as he was reading them, he was looking out at them. Telling them, and I don't, you know, I really don't, I've read this, this, these, these words many times. And I don't believe that Jesus was getting up there to offend anybody. He really wasn't. I don't believe that Jesus was, you know, trying to tick people off and, and trying to, you know, give, give them a hard time. I just believe that Jesus was getting up there, telling them the truth. And he said, the spirit of the Lord's on me. And I've got to go to those who are not here. To those that are bound. To those that are broken. To those that are, that, that, that are beyond your borders. And he reads it. And then suddenly he said this. Today, this scripture 
is fulfilled in your hearing. Now that is when the temperature in the room began to change. Began to change. You see, he took something out of the past and he brought it into the present. He took a promise that had been hanging around for years and he says, it's no longer going to remain unfulfilled. I'm going to be the man that's going to fulfill it. I'm going to give the commitment necessary to make sure that this happens. Every single word of it, every detail of it, I am going to give my life to fulfilling this scripture. Do you know what? When God finds a man or a woman that takes hold, it can be just one verse. It doesn't even have to be a whole chapter. It can be one verse. And, and the Spirit of God is working with that man or that woman, and something happens in the moment, and they say, I am going to give my life, I am going to consecrate everything that I have to fulfill that word. Today, in this moment, in your hearing, God, this is fulfilled in your hearing, in your midst. When that happens, I tell you now, things begin to change. And sometimes not always for the better, like they did for Jesus. You know, Jesus, it says, went to his own. Maybe he was expecting to be received, I don't know. I'm sure he knew that he wouldn't be received. And it says, his own rejected him. He went with a simple, with, 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 with a simple mandate a heart broken for people, a heart full of love for people, a heart wanting to reach others beyond their borders. That's, that's, all it, that's all that was in his heart. He just wanted to help people, and he got rejected for it. He got hated for it. You think all you want to do is go and help people. All you want to do is give them a kind word. All you want to do is, you know, lift them up and bring them on. You watch sometimes what will happen even as a result of that, just that simple, that simple desire that you have. You see, these, these people that Jesus was speaking to, they had a do not disturb mentality. They did not want to be disturbed by the poor. They did not want to be disturbed by those who were captive, by those who were brokenhearted by those who were bound, by those who were sick. They didn't want to be disturbed by it. Why? Because if they were going if, if to do what Jesus was going to do, they'd have to leave their world and go into another person's world, and they would, be, they would actually move from being not disturbed to being very disturbed. Very disturbed. Jesus was a man that was willing to be disturbed. He was disturbed he was disturbed from morning, noon, and night. When you look at his, when you look at his lifestyle, he'd, he'd be out in the morning praying, early morning, praying, seeking the heart of the Father, and then suddenly everything would kick off. Somebody would come from the left, somebody would come from the right, somebody would be behind him, and all of a sudden there'd be a huge group of people, and he'd be pushed this way and that way, and then right at the end of the day, He'd be in somebody's house getting some rest and then the whole city would be around the house. He was a man that was continually disturbed. 
He lived a disturbed life. But it wasn't disturbed in the sense of he wasn't at peace with himself or it wasn't disturbed in the sense that he was troubled. He was disturbed to serve people. And if you're going to serve people, if I'm going to serve people, if we're going to do everything that God wants us to do in this city and the communities around it, I'm telling you now, get ready to be disturbed. Get ready to be disturbed. It's going to disturb you to serve God. It's going to disturb you to be obedient to God. It's going to disturb you to serve other people. But I'm telling you now, you are made for it. You are made for it. The DNA inside you is ready for it. The Spirit of God is ready for you to go to action, to get involved in other people's lives that may have problems and issues that seem insurmountable. And you may go into situations and you have no answers for it. But that is when the power of God and the anointing of God will come on you and come out of you. And suddenly you'll be doing things you never thought you could do. You'll be laying hands on the sick and they will be getting well. You'll be speaking things about people's lives, private things you didn't even know, and suddenly the supernatural of God will be moving through you and anointing you and enabling you. Why? Because God loves people. God loves people. God loves people. And I'm telling you now, he, you are poised to meet people. You are positioned exactly exactly where you are to meet people. God knows where you are. God knows the job you're in. God knows the circumstances that are around you. And they are all in sync with his purpose, with his plan. It may seem confused. It may seem disorderly. But I'm telling you now, you're bang on time. You're in the right place. You're in the right time. And you're going to meet people. And God is going to enable you to do the work that he's called you to do. Don't look at yourself and say, but I haven't been on a training course. (laughs) Oh, it's on the job training with God. It might be, you see, it might be a cup of cold water. He'll use anything. He will use anything. I remember in South Africa, one day, you see, God will just... He'll put you in situations that you have no idea about. And I was at a post office. And um, I was just talking away. To this, this guy came up, just talking away. And he said, what are you doing over here? Got an English accent or Welsh accent? I said, well, I'm at Bible school. He said, oh, what Bible school? I said, and I told him the Bible school I was at. He said, oh, I used to go there. I said, oh, okay. I said, you used to go there. Yeah, he said, I, I left it, he said. I said, why? He said, because I couldn't get peace. I said, you couldn't get peace? I said, wow. I said, well, Jesus is the prince of peace. No, he's not, he said. He said, he said I got peace in Buddha. I said, whoa, okay. I said, well, no, I didn't react or respond. I said, well, mate, right, okay. I said, well, I said, you know, that's, I said, I said, that's a huge change, you know, to go from Jesus to Buddha. And then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God showed me the secrets of his heart. I tell you now, man, I mean, listen, 
I know. What do I know? But when the Spirit of God speaks, oh, man. And he, he said to me, he said, do you know what? He said, do you know what area of town you're in? I said, no. I don't know what area of town I'm in. And the Holy Spirit said to me, it's like, it's like a bullet from a gun. Just bam! Hit me in my spirit twice. And he showed me what was going on in that boy's life. And I said, look. I said, this, this, and this. And suddenly, I could see he's hit. See, God, God, can, God can do that. And I said, look, look, son. I said, Jesus loves you very much. I said, let me put my hand on your head now. I'll set you free from it. I said, I, I, will, I will set you free from that thing. And, you know, the demon rose up on him and he wouldn't let me do it. He, wouldn't, he didn't want to be free. So I had to let him go. Go on your way then. Because he wanted Buddha. But I'm telling you now, God, God will give you words of knowledge. He will give you words of knowledge and a boldness, right, to speak it. And you don't do it like this. You don't point people's sins out and start, we're all, we're all sinners saved by grace. Amen? I'm telling you now, God doesn't shame anybody. He doesn't shame us, right? But, but he reveals things in people's lives in order to, to heal them and to save them from it. But he will do that. He will do that. He will put you in situations with people where you're anointed to deal with their lives and bring them into everything that God's called them to be. Now, Jesus, on this day, he was talking about a huge mass of people that this church was ignoring. This church didn't want anything to do with. And he said, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. And as a result of that, you know the story. They tried to kill him. They tried to throw him off the end of a cliff because he would not, he would not sit under that do not disturb mentality. He would not just fit in to a religious box and go to services every week and just sit there and do nothing. He had to engage with the world around him. He had to go out into the highways and the byways and meet people in the course of life, in the course of living, and reach them for God. Now, I'm not saying to anybody, listen, give your job up, start, you know, a ministry and travel around and get a tent and do all of that. I'm just saying, in the normal course of your day, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to bring people your way. He probably has already. And you're going to be able to speak to them, to encourage them, to tell them the wonderful news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he's alive, that he's forgiven us of all of our sin, that, that, that now we can have a relationship and fellowship with him. He's going to give you that opportunity over this next year, over, over next week that there's going to be opportunities and invitations all around you into people's lives. It will be disturbing. It will be uncomfortable. It will mean that some of our plans have to change. But oh, the joy 
and the fulfillment of knowing that we plunder in hell and populate in heaven. Oh, the joy of knowing that we are being used by the Lord in His work, in the building of His church, in the building of His kingdom. To know that, that we can walk in the same footsteps that Jesus walked in, where He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Because God was with him. Just imagine if Jesus had just listened and stayed in that, in that small cloistered group in Nazareth. Just imagine if he hadn't have taken hold of the words of Isaiah and said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Just imagine if Jesus had backed down under that religious spirit in fear and not stood up to that group of religious people that wanted to keep him under their heel. Just imagine all the people that wouldn't have been healed, all the people that would have been lost, all the people that wouldn't have found freedom in God. But he didn't back off. He didn't back off. He was fearless. Fearless. One man, I can tell you, I always get so blessed and challenged when I look at Jesus, how fearless he was. Do you know how scary it is? You probably do. To stand up in front of people and you know those people are not for you. You know those people are against you. You know that if you say something, those people are going to be looking down at you and, and, and passing their opinions around about you. Come on, it's happened to you. It's happened to me. It's happened to everybody. But Jesus, feel us on every front. He would not back down. And that's the spirit. That's the courage we need. That's the courage we need in this day and in this age. Because if there's any time where our nation needs a city on a hill that's shining bright with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is now. It is now. Now is our time. Yeah, it may be the darkest time that we've ever seen in our, in our lives. But I'm telling you now, the darkest time can be the greatest hour for the church. Because Jesus, the light of the world, when he stands up in the church, I'm telling you, it's wonderful the people that he draws to himself. It really is. Now, Jesus, Jesus didn't have a do not disturb mentality. I love Carl's story. You know Carl's story? He preaches to the, the traveling community. Wonderful. What's happened there? Miracles, Carl. Salvations. How many salvations so far, Carl? 100? 100 more? Right? Awesome. Yeah, we should give praise to God. Wonderful. Who knows what other ministry can be launched? From this place. Who knows what other ministry can be birthed. That can, that, 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 that can move. Be rooted in this place. I love it. Carl's rooted. Carl and Karen rooted in this place. And that's why they flourish. Not running around here, there and everywhere trying to establish a ministry. Rooted here. A hundred people received Christ. Regularly coming together from different parts of the country. But when Carl, when, when Jesus first told Carl to go to the traveling community, he pulled up outside of a camp and he's crying his eyes out in the car. God, I can't do this. 
And that's what God wants. God loves that. Carl saying, God, I can't do this, wasn't refusal. Wasn't a refusal to God that I won't do it. He just felt inadequate to the task before him. That God had told him to do. Now, what if Carl had had a do not disturb mentality? A do not disturb sign hanging over his life. I got young children. I got my wife to think about. Instead, instead, I believe God could see in Carl a life that's willing to be disturbed. In fact, not only, not only does Carl go into the camps, his whole family's in there. His children, his wife, everything. They're all immersed into it and doing what God has called them to do. Who knows what God can do? Now, God may not do that with, with my life or your life. He may send you and I to the ones and the twos. You know, I remember years ago now, traveling home on my bike up the canal. And um, I was in a rush to get home. And there's this guy on the floor, sprawled out, drunk, paralytic, raining, it's raining, he's wet, he's got a t-shirt on. And I, you know, I mean, there was no way that I was going to pass the guy by, absolutely no way. And, I, and I, I don't believe that anybody here would. I don't believe any decent human being would. But I knew, I knew that that was a setup by God for me. I got off my bike and I had to get home. I was in a rush. We had something on. I picked the guy up. He put his arm around my shoulder. I said, mate, what are you doing on the floor? And like any good old drunk, he starts singing, oh, 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 I love you, kissing me, all of it. Oh, it was great. Right? Give me a good kiss and a good, you know, give me with both arms. They love it, man. Don't they? Rocking and asking me about my bike and I had my, my cycling tights on. Uh, looking at my tights, he was, everything. And um, I just, I, was, I thought, my God, what am I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know where I'm going to go. So I asked him where he lived and he lived in Betis and it must have been at least two miles. And I mean, I had a bike, I had a rucksack. And I'm, I'm carrying this guy, and it was, it was hard going. It, you know, to be honest, it was hard carrying him because of his weight and his throwing around. And, flo- and as we were walking, I thought, right, I'll get him. I'll get him as far as I can to Betis. As we were walking, I said to him, I said, sir, can I pray with you? Pray, he said. He said, I'd love to pray. I said, would you repeat a prayer after me? Asking Jesus into your heart. And we prayed there on the canal. And his, he repeated it maybe about three times, back and forth. And then I got into Betty's school and an ambulance came, took him away. The next week, I didn't even know the man's name. The next week, news came to me that 
that man sobered up in hospital and a person visited him and he said I asked Jesus into my heart with a man who helped me on the canal he prayed with me and he said now he said Jesus lives inside me I mean his recollection you see you may think that a drunk person a drunk person can't receive Jesus I'm telling you Jesus can do anything he can get past the alcohol he can if he can get past poverty if he can get past a prison he can get past drugs he can get past depression he can get past alcohol he can get past anything and he received Christ in his heart and three weeks later he went to be with Christ he was gone now what if I often think of that I think do you know what if what if I'd have passed that man by and thought do you know what gotta get home we got an appointment to keep I'm not going to be late for the appointment you see opportunities come at inopportune times opportunities the greatest opportunities are often missed because we see them as an inconvenience we see them as an interruption we 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 see them as a disturbance but the wonderful thing is when you look at Jesus he never ever saw people as a as as an inconvenience as an interruption he never saw people as a problem he always reached into their lives and helped them over the next weeks we're going to look at each part of this again and set out before our eyes exactly how Jesus walked in his world in order to teach us to walk in our world. Is that okay? We're going to do it, I'm telling you. And as we do it, the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you now, the Holy Spirit will give you opportunities to reach people and just do it graciously, right? I'm going to ask the musicians to come. Just do it graciously. Don't do this, right? Don't do this. Don't have a formula. Don't have a formula, whatever you do. You will kill any opportunity with formula. You just go through your Bible and look at how Jesus responded to every person that he met uniquely. You've got to listen. He who wins souls, she who wins souls is wise. Every person needs something different. Every person needs something new. That's why we have to be so dependent on the Holy Spirit. Okay? So don't, you know, think, right, I've got to tell them, I've got to tell them they're, they're a sinner. We already, all of us already know that. We all know that. No, you tell them what the Holy Spirit tells you to tell them. And like Jesus went, he, somebody, he asked somebody for a glass of water or a, or a cup of water, didn't he? The woman at the well. 
He asked her for some water. To another man, he said, what do you want me to do for you? I mean, imagine turning up at work tomorrow and seeing your colleague and says, is there anything you want me to do for you? That's as much of a statement that's evangelistic as, do you want to pray a prayer? Or just go, go tomorrow into your workplace and just do good like Jesus did. That's as, a, that's, that's as much evangelistic as any other thing. Let's get the old religious head, the old formulas. Well, the great thing is we ain't got a religious head. Just, just go with the Holy Ghost. Ask him. Say, Holy Spirit, if you want to show me anybody today that you want me to reach, I want to be available. If he doesn't show you anybody for the next six months, happy days. Fine. Don't worry about it. Don't think, I've got to reach somebody, I've got to reach somebody. No. Just, you're anointed. You're anointed. Don't be surprised when the light and the aroma that's coming from your life draws people, draws people to you. Don't be surprised. You can't help but attract people. The light of the world lives inside you. You can't help but draw people to yourself. Why? Because the Spirit of God lives inside you. And His words will come from your mouth. Amen? Amen. We'll close our eyes. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for your word today to your people. A simple word. But Lord, it's your word in order to enable us to walk into everything that you want us to do this year. Lord, we thank you that our arms are open and we are going to embrace people beyond the borders of this war, or beyond the borders of this building. We're going to embrace people in our homes. We're going to embrace people in our lives. Lord, thank you that uh, you are going to send us as laborers to the lost, to the broken, to the bruised, and from our lives, there's going to come a wonderful aroma, a wonderful comfort, a wonderful care that's going to heal, that's going to make whole. Lord, I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice today. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see those who are poor. Open our eyes to see those who are captive, held in prison. Lord, open our eyes to see the sick and the diseased. Open our eyes to see the, the wonderful opportunities that are before us all. And I pray, Lord, that none of us would see them as an inconvenience. But Lord, we would, we would be willing to be disturbed by the trouble that people are encountering. And we would give our lives to help them, to, to strengthen them. We ask it in Jesus' name. Now, you may be here this morning. You may never have asked Jesus into your heart. I want to give you an opportunity right now to ask Jesus Christ the Savior of the world, into your heart. He loves you. There is no other person in your life who will ever be in your life like Jesus. Jesus died and hung and bled on a cross for you and for me. And accepting that gives you access to God. Accepting that, accepting the fact that Jesus has died to set you free from your sin gives you a relationship with God forever. It's wonderful. It's, it's beyond price. And He is willing right now to come into your life, to come into your heart. If you're here this morning, you, it may be your first time or you may have 
You may have come a number of times and you've never prayed a prayer. I want to pray a prayer with you. And in this prayer, you're going to ask Jesus to come right into the center of your life. It's the wonderful, it's the greatest experience that you can ever have, that a human being can ever have, to have God, Jesus, at the center of your life. While our eyes are closed, right now I'm going to pray a simple prayer. If you'd like me to pray for you, to ask Jesus into your heart, quickly lift your hand up, I'll see it, and then you can put it down and we'll pray together quietly. Is there one person? Is there one person here this morning? There's one at the back. That's right. That's it, my love. It takes courage to do it. That's it. That's it, maybe. Is there a, yeah, that's, that's it. Put your hand, that's it. Don't be afraid. You, you're going to make a connection with God. You're going to make a connection with God. Pray this quietly in your heart now, with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe that you have taken my sin upon yourself so that I could be free of it. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you rose from the dead for me. And now I accept you. Now I embrace you. Never leave me. Never forsake me. Amen. Amen.